It's the Paddlewoo Podcast. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Paddlewoo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson. Today's guest is Norman Hahn. Norm, how are you? I'm doing well. Great to be down here in Nassar for sure. Yeah, man. How's your week been so far? It's been fantastic. I've had an incredible week down here. Um, it was one of my goals uh, to become a better paddle surfer, so I've uh, really enjoyed the week. I've enjoyed the instruction. And uh, yeah, I'm getting pretty worn out, which is sort of tough, tough to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but it's been, it's been different with the foundation training aspect. You know, Norm's down here for the first joint retreat that I'm hosting, and that's with Eric Goodman from Foundation Training. And we run pretty tired for our paddle surfing weeks, and generally with a pretty small group, just four surfers. But this is a, a larger group, and we're doing workouts in the afternoon, and I'm looking in everybody's eyes, and people are gassed. Yeah, but we were talking last night at the table about how much everybody's eating now. The first, <laughs> the first, <laughs> the first couple of days, people are like, I think there's enough food, and then Dr. Eric last night was like, everybody eating enough? And I think people were like, we're just chewing through calories. So yeah. like yesterday we had three sessions, morning surf, foundation in the afternoon, which is challenging. And then yeah. out for another surf, which is, is fantastic. But, I bailed uh, on the training and took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what's funny is that we always send out this form about dietary uh, considerations before folks come down. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't eat much um, white flour or, or gluten, or <laughs> I try to stay away from carbs. There's nobody that stayed away from carbs no. for the whole week. No, I know. <laughs> you were funny in the, the car yesterday coming back from from the surf and, you know, yeah, basically throw, yeah. The, throw, the, throw the diet out the window. It's yep. just like, oh, I'm going to eat like 10 cookies right now. <laughs> I just need calories. Um, well, cool. It's been great to get to know you this, this last week. Um, and your story is amazing. Why don't you give us some background on um, your path into stand-up? I think it's inspirational moving from, from teaching to following your passion. And then um, your, your, your last you know, 10 years, decade in the paddling world. Give us a, a synopsis. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's I started. I grew up in Northern Ontario in Sudbury and uh, played a lot of sports, university basketball, and uh, eventually became a high school teacher and and taught for a couple of years. Uh, but I think after, actually, it was probably after I finished playing basketball. I had a, a you know, basketball is a huge part of my life and something I was very passionate about and and something that I was training for every day. It was just a part of my daily life. Uh, the training for it. And so when I think that ended, I really started to look at what other passions I had in my life at that time. And uh, I, I, I've always enjoyed teaching. I've enjoyed working with people. But I, I think at that time in my life, I was really missing. I was really missing something. Uh, I didn't know exactly what it was at that time, but uh, I definitely felt that I was searching. Um, but there was a, something else that was really interesting as I was growing up is that I had always had this love for the ocean growing up. I'd always had this love for, for surfing and I never really knew, you know, where that came from. But it was, I remember buying all the surf magazines when I was, I was younger and, uh, just loving the surfing. So I was like, where did that actually come from? And it was actually, uh, last Christmas, my dad sent me out a picture, um, one, from one summer, I think I was maybe nine years old, where we had gone out to Sabo Beach, one of the Great Lakes and, in Ontario and under my arm I had this styrofoam styrofoam Canadian tire surfboard and on the back of the picture it said 
uh, I think this is where your surf career or your your love for surf had started. You went out, you caught one wave, you broke the board in half, and that was it. So I thought it must have been a pretty good wave, but it it really explained a lot to me that one picture, and I never knew it it had existed because I didn't know where this love had come from. So it was always pulling me to the ocean, I think. And uh, when I was playing university basketball, we had a chance to come out to British Columbia and do a tour. Um, played a number of the teams out here but I remember seeing the ocean for the first time and I was like I was just so drawn to it and so um, you know after I was teaching back in Ontario uh, I, I just made the decision to quit my full-time job I had, a, had had basically the perfect job for myself I was basketball coach and um, you know high school teacher and everything was was there for me it was, it was what I was supposed to be doing according to a lot of people uh, but uh, not for myself at that time. So I, I packed up my truck and I drove west. Let's, uh, let's spend some time on that decision because I'm very interested when anyone makes a huge life decision that doesn't make sense to the vast majority of people. I think that there's an inner strength that happens there, maybe a little bit of uh, craziness. Uh, I've done a few of those decisions. Uh, so talk us through how you made that decision and what gave you the ability, the strength at that time and you know, were you 29 at that point? Yeah, 29, 30. To, yeah, exactly. To do that. Yeah. It was a, it was a really difficult decision um, because, uh, you know, my, my parents were, were you know, super supportive and felt that there was a, a way things were going to be rolled out, I think, in terms of what they wanted. They were both high school teachers. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, playing, I played university basketball in Sudbury. So there was a lot of people that sort of saw my growth in the sport and knew my parents and and everything was really really well set up for me to stay in Sudbury and to teach but um, all I can say is that I I, I I didn't feel that it was my path and I, I'm very clear on looking at it now when I look back at that time but it just uh, my heart didn't feel right it, it just it didn't feel like that was what I needed to be doing I felt like there was something more that I needed to be doing and a, a path that I wanted to get on. But I, I can tell you it was a really difficult decision because you've got everybody around you pretty much that um, sort of sort of looks at the outside and says, oh yeah, no, that's 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 the perfect thing for Norm. High school teacher and, and basketball coach, he's doing exactly what his dad did and mom and dad are happy about that. And but it, it just wasn't wasn't for me. So it was um, it was a hard decision. It was a very difficult decision because um, I, I had to move away from all of that. And literally, uh, you know, I moved away from my family. I moved away from my, my whole social network back there. Um, I still had tons of people asking me about, uh, um, you know, hey, are you coming back? When are you coming back to Sudbury? You know, this is when I went out west to get my certifications. But it was actually the high school principal uh, at the school that I was teaching at, and I had a good heart-to-heart with her. And um, something that really helped that decision was, I had actually moved away for a half year with my teaching degree to a northwestern town, completely away from everything. And I was uh, I was teaching at this uh, school in Rainy River, and I remember teaching there for the half year. It was great. It was my own thing. I'd come back from uh, from teaching, and I was living on a on a cabin on a lake, and I'd go out and fish at night and catch fish and bring it home, and so it was great. And then this full time job came up. Basically, it was my dad's job at the at the high school. And it was another crux decision, and I was my heart was telling me, "Hey, stay here. This is what you, 
you know, you've moved away, you've created this, it feels good. And I felt that pull to go back to what I had known. And when I went, I, I made the decision to go back to Sudbury and take that full-time job, that perfect right. quote-unquote uh, job. And as soon as I got back there, it was then that I realized that I wasn't going to be there that long. You know, I had to come back to that to realize right. that that wasn't the, the, the spot for me at that time. Right. And, um, and so even though I was teaching that year, I was, I was looking at programs out west gotcha. to get into the guiding certification. And then it was my high school principal, Anna Barsanti, who at the end of the year, uh, who I really respected, really trusted, you know, I sat down with her and, and she says, hey, Norm, you're, you know, we'd obviously love to have you. You're a great teacher. But uh, she says, I, I know you well. I've, I've, I've seen you growing up. I've known your family, you know, your whole life. And, and uh, you need to do what you want, right. what, what you're passionate about. And, and if that's going out west, then, then do it. And that vote of confidence really, really helped me. So we have a lot of similarities in a lot of this. Both of my parents were teachers, one college dentistry teacher, the other high school teacher. Um, in the transition, we made big moves. Now, the big move is interesting because it allows you to redefine yourself in some ways. And I think if you stay, like I grew up in Gainesville, Florida, went to college there, and you know, you've got a really solid, good group of friends who know, quote unquote, know who you are. And so moving outside of the norm of fitting in with that social, the peer group, is, is more difficult because they're always going to try to bring you in because they like who you are. And I feel like, this is something I'm just thinking of right now because it's similar, but that distance and being in a new spot allows you then to, you know, maybe be more true to who you are or to redefine who you are or... I don't know. Is that, does that sound, you know what, does that resonate? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think that for me, that move was, was really refreshing. Um, because I, you know, gr- you know, growing up and, and always playing sports and being defined as a, you know, as a, as a basketball player at that time, uh, that was, that was a part of my life. And you're absolutely right. When I, when I left, I didn't feel all the pressures, I guess, of, that environment back there and I was able to to read yeah I don't know if I'd call it a redefining but get on that path of growth for me in terms of looking for something else and not being defined by you know being an athlete and 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 I didn't realize it at the time but after I finished playing basketball you realize actually how much you are defined by that right because when that's over then you're asking yourself well, who am I now? Yeah. Like if, if I don't have basketball and I've always had something and I've had that, that sport behind me and people have gone, nor in basketball, nor in basketball and, and define, then it's, then it, it's a it's really crushing right. to your, you know, to, to your identity or, or what you think. Right. So you have to, um, so it, it's even more important after that for me to, to find my own course because at the end of the day, it's mine and I can have uh, ownership on that. I can right. have confidence on that. And whether anybody else cares about it, it, it doesn't matter because it's mine. But I'd rather be doing it that way right. than doing, I think at the end of the day, no one else really cares. No Either way. You, know, no, you they, think that they, I, I think that they care. You think that they care. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody really cares. That no. was an interesting uh, part for me too because I built this company. I moved to Costa Rica in 2006, built the small business. 
and it was a popular business in our community. Um, and I did not realize how much I was defined by that business or how much I relied on that business for who I was. And it was, it was incredibly interesting to see after that had passed relationships change because it was, a I mean, it was, it brought a lot of business to a lot of people. And so there was, there was that component to a relationship, which I didn't really see until I no longer had it. And then I was like, you know, some people that I didn't realize we were really good friends were great friends. And other people that I kind of thought I was good friends with was more about the relationship with the business than it was about with me. Yeah. And there was like this whole year where I kind of went through this process of the unwind. Um, and I'm like 18, 20 months out of it now. And I have clarity. Yeah. It was a very interesting process. One that I did not anticipate. And uh, I didn't realize you know what was what was going to happen there um yeah and i think it, i think that's really important too because you you know you, you check in if if you can keep checking in with yourself in terms of where you're at and you know you transitioned out of that business and moved on to different things and here we are sitting here for for different reasons and yeah. what back in the day our lives were defined by right, right. i don't I, I don't really know that that backstory for you you've never known this backstory no. about me but we've moved forward with things and here we are for different reasons you yeah. know and and uh and uh, that's been a good thing, and it's um, yeah, it was it was, a, it was a hard process, and I just felt a lot of frustration at times. And I think you know, once I got on that path and and really started following you know my heart and what I wanted to do, things became just so much easier. And um, it's it's been a it's been an incredible journey, an incredible ride. And um, let's it's talk exciting. about that path. We were talking about the path the other night at dinner, and that is once that was your your. Uh, um, name for it there but once you do find your path as you put it everything becomes pretty easy right like talk talk to that it does it it's sort of i find it it you know i when i look back at uh, you know one of the books that i read that was influential and i still think about it quite often was the alchemist and yep. i think of the i think of the line that you know the world will conspire and the world will conspire to to support you in these really tough decisions that you make and and there's a real magic to it because sometimes it's really hard to make that decision. You go, well, how's the world going to conspire? I don't, you know, I don't get that. You have to experience it yourself. But um, when you do, it's just amazing all of these incredible people, the incredible experiences, um, the, these these new opportunities that open up once you once you commit to that. And if you're not going to commit to it yourself, then why should anything else support you right. on that? And uh, the, the, the more you get on that path, the more locked in you're, you yeah. are on it. And it's very, very difficult to knock you off that. And it becomes very clear the, the longer you're on it. Um, uh, you know, it becomes very clear what that path is and, and, and where you're going. And, and, and a lot of times it doesn't mean you know exactly what you're going to be doing in the next 10 years. All it means for me is that I know my heart can make some good decisions and can, it can take me in the right way. And, uh, no one needs to know what's going to happen really in the next, you know, five to 10 years, but you've got the confidence to make decisions for yourself and know that things are going to work out the way they're supposed to work out. Yeah. Yeah. No one knows what's going to happen no. in five to 10 years and people who no. tried it to know that. Yeah. And, I think but, that's always been the most difficult. You know, Some people ask me, well, what's your five year plan? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I know well, what surfing. you're doing in the next couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks. Though. Yeah. You're going to Belize. Yeah. I was looking at your website. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you yeah, got some exactly. cool stuff coming up. Um, I, I think that whole, the path, almost the manifestation of what happens 
I've thought about that a whole lot because there's such a difference in how easy it is to do something when it's really where you're supposed to be. And I believe that people are drawn to people that are really passionate about what they're doing. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're really passionate about what you're doing, people are going to be a want to want to be a part of that ride because totally. they want to get, you know, because not everybody lives in that space. Because not everyone has the courage to make the big decisions to put themselves in that space. And it's just fun to be there. I mean, I, I, when I meet someone who's living their life truly by passion, I love to soak up like you. Like, yeah, I love it. Like, I get energy out of these conversations. Um, and then there's other folks that you talk to that you know they're not. And, you know, um, yeah, and this, you know, and, and even this week's a great example of the people that have been brought together. And, you yep. know, you're running these, running these retreats and I, you know, run trips up in, um, up in British Columbia. And, and so you're bringing people into your, environment that you're really really passionate about and for the most part you know all the people that i've i've worked with and the people that i see here this week like dr eric i mean they're all really passionate people and and they're passionate about you know some of the same things some different things but man it's just so easy and inspiring to be hanging around people that are like that and i think part of you know not being on your path is also being around people that don't do that for you that don't have that passion and then that's even causing even more conflict. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think that good energy, you know, uh, it's, uh, you find that good energy in other people. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you, it's, you know, again, the world is com- conspiring. You're attracting these great people into your life. And as we move forward, life is short. So you want to spend, you know, you want to spend your time around good, passionate people that, support you and you support them and and um and i don't care if they're passionate about what i'm passionate about yeah i just like to see the flicker in someone's eyes when they're like completely keyed into what they're doing and not just kind of like mind numbingly walking yeah through life all right let's talk and there's one other thing there's a there's an understanding there that they've you've you've been through the same process most likely yeah right so there's also a common Mm -hmm. commonality there that if they're on their passion then, then they get it so you can have a conversation and you understand each other, I think, a lot. Right. A lot better. Absolutely. Let's talk about, uh, let's, let's go into your projects. Because I watched Stand Up for, Stand Big, up for, Great, Bear, for yeah. Great Bear last night. It was absolutely, I had no idea that that existed. Because, I mean, in, in the paddling world, I live in the micro <laughs> bubble of paddle surfing and in the micro bubble of just worrying about the best guys paddle surfing, right? Um, so there's this whole world of paddling that I might put a toe in at some point, but <laughs> not there yet. <laughs> but your, your, your film was absolutely, Stand Up for Great Bears yeah. was, was amazing. And I know that you have the stand film as well. Um, talk about the process of, of doing the films and talking about passion, being passionate about protecting your environment and the love for the community that you have and the love that you get back. There's some beautiful things happening there for you. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the work, the, the conservation work on, on the coastline up in BC, that, again, that's to me is a, is a result of that path that I, that I got on. So when I came out west and took my guiding certifications in, in, uh, Vancouver, BC, very quickly I was hired up at a, a lodge right in the heart of the, the Great Bear Rainforest in northern BC. And it's just, a the Great Bear Rainforest is just one of those spectacular, environments that we have left in the world uh, coastal environment uh, absolutely beautiful and so i guided up at this lodge for 
you know, a number of years, spent every summer there from May till the end of September guiding and taking people around. It was sea kayaking and salmon fishing and um, wildlife viewing and all, all that type of stuff. And um, But at the same time, uh, you know, I do believe life comes in circles. So uh, in, I think it was in 2005, 2006, uh, I was working with the First Nations community within that area that I was guiding in. It was a place called Hartley Bay. It was uh, a Gitgat community. And um, uh, I'd started working with them and, and they loved the game of basketball on the coast. And here I had my, you know, uh, life as a basketball, but nobody really knew much about it till I played a game up there with the kids. And they're like, me- oh, you got to come back and coach us. And like nobody knew about my previous life as a basketball player, right. which at one time I was defined by. Now nobody knows about it out here. Which and let great. me just interject here that Norm's a stud at basketball, played university, played on the Canada national team. So we're talking upper echelon of basketball. Perceived people just need to know that. Yeah, and uh, so I uh, I went back and I, I coached, uh, coached the women's team up there and it was just another really incredible story. And uh, the following year, I had uh, gone back and, and spent a year teaching in the community. So again, here I am using my skills that I had acquired previously to coming out west. And and through a lot of the teaching and coaching and some of the um, work that I was doing at the lodge, we were, we were working on student mentor programs with the kids in in Hartley Bay. And, and uh, it was through that that I was adopted into the Raven clan of the, of the Gitgat people. I was adopted by Eva Hill and it was... Um, it was an amazing uh, uh, ceremony. My parents were out for that. It, I was given a name in this longhouse in front of the whole community, and uh, you know, it carried a, a big responsibility. And it was just uh, say your name. I love it. The name is Taam Lan, which means steersman of the canoe. It's rad. And what's amazing about the name is they gave me the name prior to stand up paddleboarding. Before wow. this, was, this was two years before I started stand up paddleboarding, and our nickname for my basketball team was the Voyageurs. And the Voyageurs are a uh, French uh, canoe people, uh, fur trading people who were uh, canoeists. And uh, so again, you see all these, all these uh, sort of similarities, but so I take great pride in, you know, that, that name Steersman of the Canoe. And I grew up in Northern Ontario, you know, canoeing and fishing and, and all of that. So all of these things sort of line up, I think, the way they're supposed to line up. But uh, so I get adopted into the into the community. And it was when I was teaching in the community with an elder named Helen Clifton that uh, she was teaching the cultural component. And I was teaching some essential skills for uh, for work program with some of the young adults there. And she was saying at that time, she was saying, you know, there's this big oil project that's proposed for our territory. These super tankers, which are the size of the Empire State Building, are going to be moving through this land uh, on their way over to China. And they're, it, this is going to happen. Just, and she's, yeah. Does that come along with dredging or is it just the risk of the oil spills? What? Yeah, it's the risk of the oil spill. And the area up there is really challenging. It's, it's, uh, rocky, stormy in the winter. It's beautiful. Uh, though. It's really, really, it's, it's absolutely spectacular. I see my family up there doing a power. Yeah. Well, we'd, soon. we'd love to get you up there yeah. for sure. Um, and so when I, when I saw that and when I heard about that proposal, I, I, I just took offense to it. I, I felt heartbroken by it that something like that may happen and I felt heartbroken from a couple of different angles one was that I'd just spent 10 years up there and the place and the people had given me so much 
and had fulfilled just so many things for me and it was I, I, it was it was just an incredible place to be that I was like I've, I've got to do something I've got to what is a way that I can give back just for everything that this place had given me um, and so uh, and then the second thing was that in knowing the people of Hartley Bay and the people of our coastline, these are people that harvest the land, that are connected to the land. So if I felt connection from the last 10 years, think about a people who have been on the land for 10,000 years, living in the same place, harvesting from the same beaches. Um, you know, there's, there's a depth of connection to the land. And if you talk to any of the people up there, you know, they'll say, you can't separate us from the land. We, we are the land. We come from the land. We, we are indebted to the land. So there's a, a level of connection that uh, is sort of hard to comprehend, but it's taught me a lot of values about the land and about looking after it and, uh, and about how you see yourself within that ecosystem. How do the land rights work in that area? Like the First Nations people, have they been granted the, the coastline there? Or um, is it like in the States where... Yeah, that's a, it's a little bit of a, a deeper story. Uh, you know, there within, on our coast, the, the land is broken down for the, for the First Nations into territories, but under okay. the Aboriginal Act at one time, they were granted certain areas within that territory. Um, and most of those areas that, these really small areas that they were granted were some of their traditional harvesting areas. But since that time, um, you know the, the you know the, the land basically is is it's their land it's okay. um these these territories or anything that happens in their land consultation has to happen with with that community and that sort of was my first connection through our lodge because our lodge back in 2000 was the first lodge to sign official protocols with the people in that area the gitgat people and those protocols told us how we were to operate in the territory, um, you know, the, the hiring processes um, and, and just being governed by their values versus the government uh, values. So there's, um, yeah, it's quite a, quite a deep story with that. But um, at the end of it, it's, it's you know, it, it's their land and we're, we're operating in it. And, um, and it was from that, you know, from those things, me working up there and, and the adoption and, and all of that, that, um, yeah, when I heard about that, I, I decided I wanted to paddle the tanker route. And so the tanker route went from Kitimat down uh, and out across to Haida Gwaii. But I, I paddled from Kitimat down to Bella Bella. Oh, and I went kilometers? Yeah, right? it was 400 kilometers. Wow. And How many days? That was, I think, uh, 10 days maybe, mm-hmm. something like that. But uh, it, 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 what I wanted to do is I wanted to see all of the all of the uh, food harvesting areas. I wanted to see what was at risk, basically, because there's an area that I had worked in, but I was like, well, I'm just going to see exactly what this is all about. And and it was just, you know, you leave a trip like that being so inspired. And it was just my part in saying, hey, this is, I need to do something. I just felt in, indebted to the land and to the people, and I wanted to give back and say thank you. And that was my way of, of saying thank you and trying to bring some awareness to it. It wasn't so much, hey, I want to be a conservationist and, and do this. It was just very single folks. I'm going to get on my paddleboard and I'm going to, I'm going to paddle the route. And it's just cool to say, hey, I'm going to paddle this 400 kilometers and you know, do it for a good cause. Like, that's, yeah. That's rad. And it was exciting at that time, but it was also lining up with the BP spill. I started the, I started the Stand Up for Great Bear project uh, the same time all of that oil was spilling into the, into the Gulf Coast. And no. so people people on our coastline were looking at that BP spill and we're watching it on TV and we're watching this oil pouring in and they can't even stop it. 
right? And so people on the coast are seeing me stand up paddleboarding. They'd never seen that before. They're, you know, some of the commuters are like, I, I don't, I don't get what's, who, who is this guy? What's, what's happening? He's, he's standing up on a surfboard. I don't, I don't get it. And so I paddle in. So even I, I think the, the symbolic nature of standing up mm-hmm. on the paddleboard and, it was early on in my paddling career. Was, that was back in 2010, I guess. And I was checking out your stroke technique in that video. Yeah, it's, got, it's, got <laughs> it's gotten a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You, you, you can figure it out on those long paddles how to become more efficient. Yeah. I think that's uh, so. It, yeah, it, that's been, and I'm, I'm still carrying on with that with stand and getting into the schools and talking about the coast. It's I just feel it's a, a responsibility and, and something I love. I love the coast. Uh, I love the people of the coast, and I love sharing sharing it and I love taking people up there yeah. you know well, that's gonna happen to experience it and I will in the show notes throw in links to both stand up for great bear and the stand film sure so that people can go and check those out I highly recommend it um, amazing films and what a great cause like to, to be able to do that to, to be so um, in with your community I mean, that's a few, just that feeling of community is very cool it is and i think you've probably noticed it as well but i haven't seen too many other sports uh sort of like stand-up paddleboarding um and and the community of stand-up paddleboarding that that give back uh, you know i've got a lot of friends that have organizations and and you know um you know looking at the industry so many people are doing things on a stand-up paddleboard and bringing awareness to so many different causes. And there's something special about the sport that we have and the community of the sport that we have where we've got so many great people giving back to so many different things. And it's, it's really inspiring to watch and, and, and it's great because I think we transcend beyond, um, you know, beyond just sort of who we are. And I think, um, if we can give back in some way, it's, it's, it's really important. I think we, I mean, we've got that ha- opportunity. We're healthy. We're, you know, I've always feel fortunate anytime I get a chance to, you know, do those types of paddles. But, uh, you know, we're healthy. We can do it. Not everybody can do that. So I always feel fortunate to be able to be able to give back that way and, and just uh, keep loving what I'm doing and sharing it. Yeah. Well, speaking of loving what you're doing, you are a great learner. And I can tell that you're a great coach, too, by the way that you approach learning. Let's talk a little bit about that process, sure. um, what you've enjoyed learning this week, um, maybe you know, coaching philosophies, things like that. It'd be interesting to get your thoughts on, on all that. Yeah, um, it, it was almost like I had a little bit of a wake-up call at the beginning of, of this year. Uh, I, I spend so much time in Canada teaching and coaching, um, and it was actually through your, your podcasts uh, initially that I started to listen to you breaking down the process of, of paddle surfing. And it just ignited something in me when I, I just started to listen to more of the podcasts. I really enjoyed the guests that you had on and, and listening to, to their perspectives and their thoughts. Because, you know, when you come into the sport really early on, especially in Canada, I, there wasn't a lot of other, other, you know, people and mentors that I had above me. So I was listening to, you know, like Dave Kalama's blog back in the day and trying to glean as much information as I could from that. And so your podcast really sort of got me back on that process because I'm always talking to my clients about, you know, find, find, find the best coaches, find the best instructors, um, you know, practice things, work on things. It's been my whole life of, of, you know, of deliberate practice and, and moving into that. So I really felt that this year I, I needed to continue to grow and learn myself. And so I've been on a little bit of a quest as well to, 
um, really try and, and, and watch other people. And for me, that means getting back in the learner seat. And I always learn from my clients anyways, but now I, you know, I, I really have to, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in a little bit more uncomfortable positions. One of the goals I had was to become a better paddle surfer. And paddle surfing was some, is something that, again, has been one of my true passions, but I've never had any coaching at it. And because I didn't spend a lot of time surfing, I don't think I've built up the proper foundation and techniques to become a, a you know, you know, a, a good paddle surfer. And and so I got really excited um, about the opportunity to come down here and work with you, with you because I really valued the, the work you had put in in breaking down the sport. And you were on a pretty fast trajectory yourself in terms of paddle surfing, you know. And I think that's a testament to how deep you, deeply you dive into these into these uh, into these areas. So. Um, so when I saw the retreat come up, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to invest in this. I want to, I want to learn from you and I want to see, you know, one, I want to get better as a paddle surfer. Two, I want to see what you're doing, um, in terms of instruction and, and, and how you're, uh, how you're teaching and how you're coaching. And at the same time, you know, having Dr. Eric Goodman down here and his team, I thought, wow, what this, this is great. It's basically two for one in terms of, you know, good and great coaches that I can learn from. Sorry about that. That's no problem. Muted. Um, probably telling us we got to get going surfing. <laughs> uh, but having two having two coaches two coaches like that and being able to to learn that way has been great. So uh, you know one of the things I like to do is I like to copy down things a lot. So you see me copying down uh, a lot of the stuff we've been been working on because I'll be able to go back and read it and internalize it. But uh, just you know, yeah, it it, it it's, it's just been a great process. It's been. Uh, it, you know, because I can get, you know, and I think as, as instructors and coaches, we can sort of rely on what we do day in and day out. But I think we have to continue to search out areas where we're, where we're learning and understanding what it's like for our learners. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been frustrated this week. I've had some breakthroughs this week. Uh, I've been super tired and can't do anything this week. Uh, so that, that's been a really great process for me. And I know that, you know, one week is a, a pretty short time to try and make all of this happen you know i visualize what i see myself doing yep. on the wave and uh um, that that doesn't always happen but i'm going to be able to go back and really work on it and practice it but just looking at the different different techniques one of the things i've absolutely loved this this week has been the video breakdown mm-hmm. i've never you know i've never you know seen myself really on video that way and to be able to break it down every single day has been great getting in the water Obviously, and having you right there giving instruction and, and giving tips and techniques, and also watching your style working with varying levels because mm-hmm. we're not all at the same level here. Same thing with the foundation. Some people are at different different areas. So how both you know you and, and Dr. Goodman approach each individual and basically set up a, you know an individualized plan is really is, is what you're doing you know for the week. It, it's been it's been great, and I'm. Again, I'm, you know, it's that world will conspire again. You know, I've, I've committed to it, I've invested into it, and all these great things have, are happening this week, you know. Um, so the stroke for surfing that I use and coach is different than the stroke that you've been using for racing. Why don't yeah. you talk about the differences? This is something we haven't talked about yet, yeah. but I'd like to hear your thoughts now that you've started to internalize pulling a little bit more from the hamstring, hips, that opening rotation a little bit. What yeah. do you think versus that more driving 
down through kind of yeah Kalama. i you know i've i've been Stroke. yeah definitely working on it uh, uh working on it this week and uh yeah i loved your podcast with larry kane because i i find we sort of have a similar style on that but you know you've you've adapted that stroke for surfing and it is really key because there's a few things that are going on one you don't have the stability um on the surfboard on these smaller surfboards that you have on you know let's say a race board so i know that my stroke has always traditionally been longer right. and and a lot of drive down but that stroke doesn't necessarily it it doesn't necessarily work as well in the surf because you have to drive a lot of power a lot quicker to get that smaller board up on plane. Right. And so I've been really work, working on, on focusing on that stroke and really making, getting that catch out front. And, you know, one of the things you're also working on was sort of the, not, not only the hinging of the hips back, but after you've made that catch, that snapping of the hips forward. Yeah, the opening of the outside hip and using that, uh, rotational force exactly yeah along with the hinge and i've loved that process too because i've i've you know i've taught a lot of you know stroke technique and um so it's for me it's really great to get some technique back and and learn a, a new style but i think it's been very effective for what i've i've been doing because you know that catch is so critical also to the stability of it so if you can spend more of your time you know up front on that hinge with that catch and turning that over quicker then you're going to be more stable yep. and you're going to get that board moving faster, which will allow you to get into the, um, uh, the wave easier. And I think a lot of people... You're also pulling down the face of the wave too. Right. You're pulling from low. On the exactly. Wave. And a lot of people, I think, over when they get into paddle surfing or trying it, they overlook how critical that, that forward stroke is yep. in their success of catching the waves. And a lot of people have difficulty catching the waves and, and a part of it, is is that forward stroke and not getting that board up to speed so that that's been great and i've i've definitely dropped down with my uh you know the the size of the boards that i've been on you started at about a 120 yeah. this week you were at 109 before you came down yeah. i think and now you're down to, to 95 yeah 95 you and you can go lower yeah and it's stable. been the 95 has been feeling good i'm not wearing a 5-4 wetsuit but uh uh, but I, I, yeah, it's probably about the same. <laughs> yeah. But I think as well that the stroke technique has really helped for that. And then some of these other little, uh, balancing drills. You change your drills. foot position when you paddle. Totally. That's helpful. Yeah. And then, um, your footwork has improved tremendously when you're surfing. That's been a big difference. Um, yeah. And it's footwork. been, it's been really great to get that down because I really think that footwork and getting into the wave is, is, you know, sets you up well for success and what you're going to do. Um, you know, down, you know, down the wave and, uh, you know, a lot of footwork in basketball. So it, it, that stuff makes, that stuff makes a lot of sense to me, but it's been sort of the overloading sometimes as well in practicing different, yeah, just getting into uncomfortable positions. And yep. then when you come back from that to your, you know, to a little bit of a bigger board or to a different, you know, a stance that you thought was unstable because you're, you know, balancing off the nose in a yep. seated position, all those things, you yep. come back to it and it's like, wow, this board's feeling a lot bigger now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, having that stability is is key. So it's been it's been uh, it's been a great process, a great week. I've spent a lot of the week being somewhat uncomfortable, and that's good for me. That's good. <laughs> good. I like, from, I like yeah, to uncomfortable be in a bad way. Yeah. It, or sorry, in a good, in a good way. way. I mean, so not way. not a bad way. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's, it's been fun. Yeah, I live in outside your comfort zone. It's, it's good. 
Yeah, and it's good to good to push yourself there because I think as we get older, we have a lot of times less tendency to to move ourselves into these un- uncomfortable positions, and right. you know, sort of like looking back at uh, you know possibly when I was teaching and, and doing my thing back, and I was very comfortable, you yeah. know, and and that comfort can keep you keep you you don't in, grow, you don't grow. and so uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, getting so, uncomfortable this week has been great. All right, so. Tell me about your adventures and which one would be best uh, for our family, you think. And then we are leaving to go surf in Sweet. eight minutes. So. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think for, uh, you know, because of my passion on the coast, uh, you know, the best adventure you can do is come up to the Great Bear Rainforest with me. Yeah. And to, I wanted, after uh, watching the film, I want to do that. Yeah. Sure. And to see, so we do uh, seven-day uh, stand-up paddleboard trips up there. And I've also got a fishing boat. So we also do some... Is there a place um, to catch some waves if we want to? Are we inland? We are we are inland, so that's going to be your big struggle okay. up there. Can we fish? And, and Damo's big struggle, but we can fish. I, right. I can get you addicted to salmon fishing pretty quickly up I there, and, and you'll forget about surfing oh, for a few that's hours. That's a bold statement right there. Pay <laughs> <laughs> for a few hours. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I it's, a, it's a real privilege for me to be able to go up to the Great Bear Rainforest. Um, you know, I, again, I work in the community of Hartley Bay, the Gitgat community, so... Uh, you know, I, I work with some, some great people up there and, and it's really important to me that, you know, when, when you come up to the coast that you not only experience the land, but you experience the people. I think, uh, it's, um, and we have that opportunity to, with my adopted family up there to, 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 to live with them and spend time with them. And, you know, for out doing some bear viewing, we're working with, uh, Marvin Robinson and his business up there and, and it's a really, incredible experience because there's not a lot of places left in the world um, that inspire this really incredible feeling when you're up there and everybody has their own emotional feeling and emotional connection to it and you come away I think from that experience with a changed perspective a little bit on on things and um, I think that's a you know I think that's a good thing and again it's um, just a bit of a conduit to that experience and um, again, I'm fortunate that my life's path has, has brought me up there. But uh, I think for me, that's uh, that's the spot. Right on. Well, we'll be talking about that a lot more in the future. And it's cool. time it's to go let's surfing. Go get some waves. Man. Awesome, Norm. Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Uh, this has been a blast this week getting to know you. And yeah, thanks for doing thanks the show. Thanks a lot, Eric. It's, it's the Paddleboard Podcast. Podcast.